Frank, a big congratulations to you. You've had a PR merge. I have contributed to open source software. Wow. I am very proud of myself. <laughs> well, I mean, I did it selfishly. Isn't I mean, I, I guess that's why we all do open source stuff. But yeah, I did it. I got something committed to the Xamarin slash Xamarin hyphen Mac iOS repository, which Ooh. if you're not in the know, is the Xamarin repository and also the .NET 6.1. They like reflect each other now. I don't know. There's some bot that does it. Whatever. It's in the big stuff. I like it. I think that's absolutely spectacular. You know, I actually was reading someone on Twitter. I think I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, Twitter always recommends random posts for you. And then I try not to read anything, but then I did. <laughs> and I was reading through and someone was, was like, I always get asked, recommended like, you know, oh, like what and where can I go to, you know, contribute to open source or should I contribute to open source? Mm -hmm. Like someone keeps asking, I think they're a library creator with a popular library. Oh, can I contribute to your library? And I think the person's answer was like, no. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's funny. I was like, that's kind of weird because we talk often about our libraries and it is hard to take, you know, pull requests and it goes through a yeah. process and is someone that does want to contribute to a, a repo or a project, it can feel like demoralizing a little bit to wait and wait and wait and go through process and back and forth and back and forth. And, and you see that often with especially large, large projects, right? And But for me, even on my libraries, whenever I get a pull request, I jump for joy. And then I'm like, okay, now I need to like pull down the thing. I need to like test it. I need to go through this. And it's it's a big cognitive load as well. So I think though that all of that, what I'm trying to say is still worth it to me at the end of the day, mm -hmm. because when I do get something approved or I do merge a pull request in, I feel pretty good. Like David Pine um, on the Endeavorel and our docs team where he was, he's really into this .NET podcast app and mm -hmm. that we've been building. We did for .NET Conf and he keeps adding new features. He's just like, oh, I added a you know, a speed up podcast thing. He's like, do this. He's like, and oh, I added this, you know, use system theme, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, David, send as many pull requests as you want. Just, just go ahead and do it and make sure you send a screenshot and a demo of like it working. I trust you. Right. And, and I, we built that rapport where it's like, all right, David, I, I trust you. Right? Like, I trust that you've yeah. tested the scenarios X, Y, Z. He's feeling good. I'm feeling good. The project's getting better. Great cycle. And it seems like Frank, You've now contributed back to the product that you know and love and build and is so essential to your business every single day. Is that correct? That is correct, James. For about the fourth time. This is about my fourth. <laughs> and it gets harder every time. I'm just kidding. It's, it's funny because I have been contributing to Xamarin since actually the earliest, earliest days. There was so much stuff, so many things to bind in the library mm. that they were just asking for contributions left and right. Like if you have a pet, pet framework and you want to bind it, please bind it and contribute that. So in the early Wild Wild West days, I was actually doing more of that. But as Xamarin grew up into a real company and then as they got acquired by Microsoft, the process has become a lot more formal and a lot more work. And the project is so 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 big now. So I think the the trick with contributing to projects is often how easy are they to build, how easy it is to get all that stuff set up. Uh, I had seen that tweet you were talking about. Oh. And they had mentioned they'd mentioned that um 
the code was so well designed that it was easy to contribute to. And that's important, right? Like mm-hmm. the hardest part of contributing to the Xamarin code base is downloading the huge code base, getting all your dependencies at the right versions, locking your system down to those versions, and then actually doing a build. Like it it stresses out my 10 core machine like nothing. So if you do have an open source project and you want people contributing to it, just make sure that build process is like one line and always works, things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I do think that one of the hardest things is coming into a large project, following the, the guidance, right? Because actually with Don and Maui, I know that the team actually spent a lot of time focusing just on that, on the contribution guide, on how to make a pull request, how to do this. And it can seem overwhelming, but I'd rather have more guidance on how to contribute to a project than less guidance, especially on a large project, right? If it's a small project that you know, it's well architected, uh, then, you know, maybe it's, it is easier to contribute to, but that doesn't mean that large projects are impossible to, or should be impossible to contribute to. No. And in this case, although it's painful and big, uh, the project is like, what, over 10 years old at this point. Mm -hmm. And so it has all sorts of sanity checks in the beginning. It's mostly a frustration of, oh, it gave me another warning. My Xcode is the wrong version. Or sometimes it wants two versions of Xcode. You're like, okay, golly gee whiz, different versions of mono, different versions of .NET all these things. And fortunately, that's all written down in a, you know, development guide on GitHub somewhere. So you can just follow their instructions. And it mostly works, you know, you got to be careful with like master branches or main branches, because they might not build or, you know, there might be something weird going on with them. So I always, uh, I like to file an issue first, uh, just kind of let everyone know my intentions, like, hey, here's a missing feature. I'm willing to contribute it and uh, please point me in the right direction if, if you haven't done this before. So that's the tact I took here. Um, I'll mention this is Apple's new library, everyone, the new AI library. We mentioned it on a previous episode. It's called MPS Graph, Metal Performance Shaders Graph. And it's like their fifth neural network library. But James, this is a good one. This is the good one. I'm really excited to have it. But um, it wasn't bound, so I decided to do this pull request. Well, that's good. And this is this is one we went back in history to figure out where we talked about this. This is one where we went back and we were talking about the Swift, the new Swift API for in-app billing on Mm-hmm. Mac, which led us on this discussion that Apple actually has about 25 billion different machine learning and AI libraries and which one do you choose and what do you rewrite? But it sounds like this is the one that you do want to use, Frank. Yeah, it is. Um, and that's coming. It's funny because I haven't used it. You know, maybe once I get using it, I'm going to hate it or something like that. But it's one of those chicken and egg things. You kind of have to have it before you can judge it. Plus, it's awkward timing. We're recording sometime in May and WWDC is coming up. And it's a giant question mark, and it's a serious question mark. Will there be a sixth machine learning library? Or will they finally, you know, do a add, you know, improve upon one of the existing ones? Really looking for a clue from Apple there. But I will say, out of all their libraries, this is the 
this is the best designed one. This is the one that's the most powerful, has the most features. I, I'm, I'm happy to get into those features if, if, if you're willing, but I don't want to bore you too much with it other than to say um, it's hot. It's hot. James. Well, what I want to talk about here is a little bit of the journey to open source because we both saw that tweet and I think that we both didn't agree with the tweet. And I think that it should be easier to contribute to open source. So let's talk about where you started, right? You said specifically, you started not with the pull request, but you started with an issue. Can you explain yeah. first and foremost, why you started there, what you prompted and what your expectations were? You know, this is something I learned from contributors to SQLite-net. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I never required or requested this in uh, my own open source library there. But I noticed that people had started opening issues so that there could be a little discussion around something before doing a pull request for, oh my God, 8 million different reasons. Because why spend the time coding something if the project is just going to reject it? Like they're like, nope, not interested in that feature. So A, you have to get some kind of sign off from the project. Otherwise, you can do it in your own fork or something, but you're not going to go through the pain and misery of um, getting a PR merged into the project. So number one reason is just to make sure that they're at all interested. Or in my case, I was curious if anyone else was already working on it. I was like, hey, it'd be wonderful if someone else did this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> mm -hmm. It'd be nice to know if someone else is. So th those are the big number one reasons to do it. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you you open this issue. Now, how much detail did you fill in, right? Did you like spec the thing out or like what was your sort of, because I've seen like I want X feature and some people will be like, I want it to take 25 photos on one, you know, with one API, for example, right? And you're like, <laughs> okay, like, well, how does that affect the API? What that would that API look like? Like, you know, this was obviously a little bit different because it was a binding, but how would you approach like, hey, I want a new feature or, you know, I, I, I found a bug, right? I think actually another point here is we're talking about features, but I think the same thing applies to bugs too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So bugs, I think you have to explain almost a little less. Obviously you have to explain the bug and the repro, but once someone agrees that it's a bug, they're going to be like, yes, I want your PR. Those, mm -hmm. are, those are not hard to sell. You know, <laughs> people are willing to accept bug fix PRs pretty quickly and easily. It's the feature ones that, yeah, you absolutely have to prove out. In the case of this one, it's very direct. It's a full binding of an entire framework. So I was actually debating like, oh, could I do a partial binding, only take the bits I want and any of that, or is part of the thing already bound? And it wasn't. And so my, my selling line was very easy. You don't have this giant hunk of code, I'm gonna give you this giant hunk of code. <laughs> so it's hard to say no to that. But, you know, going back to SQLite, oh, I want like not unit tests, but I want multiple code samples and database schemas of what they want and how they think it's going to work. Because someone can say something like, I want joins to work in SQLite. And that means 8 million different things to 8 million different people. Mm. And so it, you really do have to give code examples. For a library, I would just show, yeah, uh, API level code examples of how you want it to work. Okay. So now you have this issue open, you get a response. There's going to be one of three things, which is like, that's amazing. You did the best issue ever. Go do it. And then there's the, we need to talk about this more. And then there's, I don't think so. 
talk through the next steps in each of those scenarios. Yeah. Um, so you're waiting for that response. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's another one of this is really intimidating and I could use some advice. And mm -hmm. would you please give me some advice here? So you're like waiting for that advice to come in also. In the case of this project, I, um, I, because I do have a little bit of experience in this repo. Like I said, this is like my fourth PR. It's my second large binding that I've done. The problem is I always have like four or five years in between them and I can never remember um, how to do it mm -hmm. basically. And so fortunately um, for a large binding like this, there's a lot of tooling support. There are tools in the repository to use to help you out with a lot of this stuff. You are not supposed to hand type all this. You're supposed to use the tools so that you don't make common mistakes and you check over things and things like that. Uh, so fortunately in this case, um, I got the approval pretty much right away. And then it was straight into, uh, please help me. This is huge. And asking for a little bit of help reminders on how to use those tools, because unfortunately some of those aren't, uh, documented as well. So it's okay to ask questions as a follow-up, maybe even talk through your proposal, your plans, your details, even before you start the code. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it's uh, wide-ranging. Uh, I can give an example in this API. So this is a neural network API. In neural networks, you deal with things called tensors, which are just giant matrices. But the matrices have you know, it's like a multi-dimensional array in C-sharp. It can actually have, it could be a, a single-dimensional array, the normal one, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, four-dimensional, five-dimensional, all the dimensions. And you represent those as the dimensions as an array of integers. So instead of one length for an array, you have five different lengths for an array. It's normal. It's actually built into the C-sharp array, supports all that. But the Apple API, and you've done enough Apple programming that I'm ho hoping to elicit a groan from you here, is an NS array of NS number. Oh, gosh. It's just, it's the worst data type to construct. It's not that it's hard to construct. It's just gross. And like the amount of code that you have to write to get an NS array of NS number is a bit of work. And so in the, in the issue thread, I just posted a big question i'm like look <laughs> when i'm when i'm writing the software here i am not going to be constructing ns arrays of ns numbers that is ludicrous can i have permission to do all the type conversions and maybe memory copies to do int array you know yeah. classic yeah. gorgeous int array <laughs> and honestly i was nervous i wasn't sure if they would approve of it because there are you know there's the tiniest smallest performance overhead because you have to do that conversion every time but um, I, I was really happy. Everyone's like, yep, go for it. So oof, dodged a bolt there. Much, much nicer API that way. Nice. I mean, that's pretty cool that you are not only like starting the process, you're getting feedback in real time, and then you're kind of on your journey. Okay, so I want to talk about that journey, right? Which was you started to do the, the you're working on the code, you're starting to do the pull request, and then you know you the day comes. And I think we may have talked about the pull request day that's the beginning of the journey. But before we do, let's thank our amazing sponsor this week, Sync Fusion. Listen, you don't need to write bindings. You don't need to send pull requests. 
because Syncfusion has all the controls and all of the great widgets and gadgets and Excel spreadsheet processing and all the things that you need for all your applications. Don't be like Frank and write a bunch of code. Let Syncfusion do it for you. Listen, Syncfusion has hundreds of controls for absolutely everything that you are building. Whether it's a web app with Blazor, ASP.NET Core, JavaScript, Angular, Reactor View, or mobile and desktop apps with .NET MAUI, Xamarin, Flutter, UWP, or heck, even desktop apps with WinForms and WPF. They have absolutely every single thing that you need, including beautiful charts, graphs, and all sorts of beautiful controls, like a whole Kanban control. Like, here's a Kanban board, done. And heck, they even have file format processing, including Excel, PDF, Word, and so much more. You got to check them out at syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict. That is syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict. And tell them James and Frank sent you. Thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Thank you, Syncfusion. I do love that there's like a whole control that's just a whole Kanban board. That's, I, lo- I love that. I love giant controls. <laughs> here it is. And you're done. You're like, yes, done. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you, you've, you're, you're like, this is the best code ever. You totally... Aww submit the pull request and it's accepted right away correct no No. uh, well we're oh boy we're skipping over two large steps one get the code working two get that pull request in uh the the number one was actually tricky here this was this is a brand new framework there's no knowledge on the internet about it there next to no there might be zero stack overflow questions on it Mm. right now all you have is a ww 20 minute wwdc video and sample code and so like i start out in the swift world i i, I take their sample code and james the stupid sample code kept crashing like this is hmm. apple's own code for a new framework and so i go through all the phases of grief you know i i try to I update my X codes, I update my operating systems, I update my devices, I try all this stuff. You know what I finally had to do? I had to put in a paid Apple technical request, just saying, hey, you have the sample. The sample crashes the moment you try to run it. Can you please explain to me, A, what's wrong with the sample, B, how to fix it? Uh, and see a few other things Hmm. and so it was it was quite frustrating to be thoroughly honest i i loved this api the api was gorgeous but to have like the sample crashing was really demoralizing yeah that doesn't sound like a super fun process at all if that's the case yeah especially this api is for iOS 14 plus and Mac 11.5 plus, but you really don't want to use it on Mac 11.5. It's really Mac 12 plus. So iOS 14 plus, Mac 12 plus, hot off the presses, barely baked, a little, little cold in the middle, burnt on the outside, cold on the inside. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. An actual, a good amount of time went by, finally kind of figured out what was going on with the Apple sample. Um, that that's like we could do a whole nother show on those apple paid support things they used to be really high quality but i was very frustrated with the person this time they just didn't want to do anything so anyway um if if you 
create an API, you better test the heck out of it before you submit a PR. So long before I want people poking at my code, I want to make sure it works. So I ported the Apple sample over and played around with it for a few days, making sure that my binding was decent. Always important to do, especially because the binding... for .NET isn't a one-to-one copy from Apple. You want to make it .NET-y. You want it mm. to make it comfortable, like that int array thing. you know. So I wanted to make sure the code was comfortable to use both from C-sharp and F-sharp because I'm a weird F-sharp person. So I did all that. Now, is that a sample that you check in? Like, is there unit tests? Are there UI tests? Or how does how does this process work normally? Not only for this project, but what are your expectations as an open source you know, library owner yeah. yourself. I absolutely expect someone to write unit tests for something like this. Uh, if you're doing a bug fix, I would appreciate a regression test. Not mm-hmm. always possible, but, you know, they're nice. Uh, for a feature, you definitely want unit tests. But enter problem B, <laughs> B <laughs> yeah, we'll call problem B a bug for I don't know how to write tests for the Xamarin repository. There are so many tests in it, James. There is there is a whole custom test runner that's like a Blazor app, and you can browse 8 billion tests running on 8,000 platforms. The UI is absolutely atrocious. I have no idea how to use it, where to put my tests, how to run my tests, or any of that stuff. The test infrastructure for this thing was absolutely insane. And so you know what? I submitted the PR without tests, but I put a big bullet point in saying, I have a test. I just have no idea how to add the test <laughs> to the repo. So yeah, I uh, during that development phase, I was definitely thinking about, and it doesn't have to be a perfect unit test. You know, this is just a binding. You just have to prove that it, it you know, I can train the smallest, dumbest neural network possible. I'm not doing a th- thorough API coverage. Just want to prove that it's working. Nice. So you submit all this at once and it's good, right? Because you've tested it. You've said you've tested it for days upon days upon months at this point. So you're rock solid, you're feeling good and it's accepted, correct? Yeah. Instantly within okay. five minutes. Perfect. They're just like, oh, Frank, it's in. Oh yeah. yeah. They, they see Proclarum <laughs> come in. I'm like, well, obviously this is a no brainer. Might as well just immediately approve go done yeah yeah i wish i wish oh my goodness no i went through the full i went through oh uh, so there were in the end something like two two or three reviewers and they went line by line james there were there were a lot of lines and they went line by line i wasn't expecting that It was so much. I haven't. Oh, I don't work on big teams anymore. I'm not accustomed to big PRs and code reviews anymore. But I mean, like white space changes, tons of those. Mm. And then the endless naming debates (laughs) that you can get into with a giant API binding like this. So I would say I I was pretty proud of myself. I did a good job. Here's where I messed up. Um, There's a lot of um, there's a lot of attributes that you have to add to APIs that say this is available on iOS 14. This is available on Mac and all that. And nowadays we have four platforms we have to say that for on the Apple side. You have iOS, 
you have uh what's another one tv os you have mac os and you have mac catalyst now so you have to put those four attributes for everything so that was one big round of boy that was like bookkeeping because apple's not even that clear about it sometimes so you really have to look around for all that stuff so messed up that but that's somewhat understandable that doesn't really come up in unit tests you know yeah, that's a tricky one because it is a rather complex API, right, in general, because of the vastness of the operating systems in which it can run in. And those little attributes are more like little indicators, right? They show up in yeah. IntelliSense, like you said. So they're not required, but they're nice to have. Yeah, yeah. And then just a lot of white space bugs because, mm. oops, I haven't worked. You know, I actually blame the repository a little bit for this. They need a better or they don't even have an editor config. Mm. I just rely on editor config for everything now yep. because I bounce between so many different styles now. So I'll say that's a little bit on uh, the uh, library here. Everyone, add an editor config to your open source projects, please. Then you won't have to go through this misery of stupid white space changes. Yeah, I'll tell you this much. I've definitely had some PRs come into my repos that have the white space issue or new line or indentation or tab spaces things. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure like, because I remember what I would do is I would go into my repo i'd make sure i have my editor config and then i'd open every file and i would do control shift a control like kf or whatever which reformats every single one so i'm like i want to make sure that every file is formatted correctly and i'm like you can't mess this up but i think if you open things in other editors that don't you know support editor config i don't know which editors there are you just do something in the browser and mess up then yeah it can definitely run into a bunch of issues i always feel bad about that but it, it makes the code if it's if it's <laughs> if it's a single file, like you just added a new file, like that's not a huge deal. But but when you are contributing and you're modifying code, reading the diff becomes nearly impossible. Yeah, yeah. And this this is all to just because this code is going to be in here for ten years. It's going to be worked on. You know, ten. It's probably going to be in there for twenty years. You know, yeah. and so they just want to make sure it goes in clean. And I get that. I was just frustrated because, you know, thank goodness GitHub has made this so much better where they have the batched um, updates to a PR where you oh, can yeah. check. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness for that. And thank you to the reviewers out there, Alex and Rolf, because they were real troopers. They went through and fixed all my stupid stuff like that. <laughs> I appreciated it. <laughs> I felt terrible. Really, I just felt bad for them having to go through and do that. Um. Now, because they went line by line, we did have some fun technical discussions. Mm. You know me, I'm, I'm all about performance and I'm about convenient APIs. And I figured this was a small opportunity to add a few convenience functions too. So these aren't bindings necessarily, like these aren't calling into, sorry, these aren't directly calling into Apple's APIs. Instead, I'm just trying to add some convenience functions like, data conversion, mostly data conversion, mostly because Apple has 800 ML libraries. They have 
1,600 data types for storing floating point numbers in various ways. And so I added a lot of convenience functions for those. And because they're convenience functions, I want them to be super efficient and fast. And so everyone had to double check my code because they're like, Frank, are you sure this is allowed? And I'm like, yeah, totes. I even wrote a unit test to prove that it works. And so I'll be honest, I get a little nervous about that stuff, but the unit tests say it works. Rolf said it was okay. Rolf knows everything. So I'm sure they're going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking at a lot of your code. There's a lot of math also happening in here too, especially in the extensions. Math scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't want to be the one binding this library, but if I can be arrogant for a minute, I'm kind of happy I'm the one binding this library because I, I could make sure that that kind of stuff was done right because i don't know how many other people are training neural networks on ios especially using xamarin i might be the only one there might only just be a few of us and so i just wanted i was happy to have an opportunity to make this stuff work nicely work the way i wanted all that nice so So you you kind of got to create and shape an api for yourself in a absolutely ginormous project for cross-platform development. And you wrote yeah. thousands of lines of codes. Like the actual metal performance shader graph.cs file is 1,800 lines of code. Um, oh, it's and that's just one more. file. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't go too far. Uh, for example, I have an open source library called Metal Tensors, which is basically just a million extension methods mm. on the existing API. I didn't want to do that here because I don't think that's really appropriate. I think the Xamarin binding should be pretty close to one-to-one with Apple's APIs. And then it should be up to third-party libraries, other libraries to add all the convenient stuff and real stuff. But where I drew the line was, and this is just a pet peeve of mine, um, I don't want to have to write unsafe code in my apps. I have to from time to time, but I really don't want to. And by unsafe, I mean literally in C sharp, you have to say unsafe. Yeah, I don't like that. F-sharp. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Now the uh, native Zam- the Xamarin binding libraries, they have to do it all the time. I mean, that's basically all they're doing. And so I just tried to. My policy was if the convenience method did one of those unsafe things, and it could be safely put into the main library, then that's when I put it in. Otherwise, everything can go out into an extensions library that I can add on later. Nice. So accepted. You're good to go. It's amazing. Names. James names. (laughs) What is the one thing programmers argue about mostly? Wow. Names and white space. Yeah, I got both. uh there were a few a a few name changes went through just fine i didn't care i didn't i didn't have a dog in that race you know if someone thinks something should be prefixed with git fine if they didn't like my uh pluralization or non-pluralization fine i don't care you know it's not gonna affect my code that much there was one name change that made me a little bit anxious because I really like this library and I like how the library was designed and I like, you know what it is? It's a giant math library. Yeah. And yeah. And just like there's a math class 
out there in .NET that has like math, sine, math, cosine, math, tangent, math, absolute value, math, all these other things. This library has that. It has graph.absoluteValue, graph.add, graph.multiply. It has all those things. And there was a question, a very innocent question. Should those functions be called get multiply, get add, get tangent, get cosine, get sine? And I'm just like, no, no, I desperately think that that makes the API so ugly. And yes, that is somewhat of a .NET naming convention and rule. But can I please, please, and I just started begging. I think if you go back and read the comments, I just start begging at some point. I'm like, can I have an exception to this rule? I think adding get here would be terrible, especially because there's something like 120 methods like that. And so you'd be putting 120 gets into the code for absolutely no reason. Mm. So anyway, I think with enough begging and pleading, they're like, okay, Frank, you can have your silly names without the get. So that that gave me a little bit of a heart attack. I was like, oh, I put all this effort into it and it'd be ruined because they're going to make me use the word get with all these function names. So that was a little stressful, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds a little stressful. I mean, that's the the conundrum, right? Which is enjoying adding, but then going through this process of having everything sort of dissected, right? Yeah. Oh, it's painful. It's really painful. I don't I don't know how people do this. You should all work by yourselves. Then no one's reviewing your code. It's the best. <laughs> there you go. Well, it wasn't quite accepted. Um uh finally uh Rolf was very kind. I was like, "Hey, I do have this test. I just don't know where to put it." He's like, "Check it in anywhere." And I checked it in anywhere, and then he moved it to the right location in the repository and actually got it uh, executing. So that was really exciting. I actually needed help from um, uh, one of the employees there to to do that. I just couldn't figure it out. I One of these days, I'm going to figure it out, but not today. And then what happens when you add tests to a build, James? Um, you, they break? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they break they oh, okay. do okay it turns out test test things and it's annoying and then they start breaking uh so we went through this um long problem it was breaking in the weirdest of places it was breaking on mac on an m1 mac os 11.5 hmm. that was the only place it was breaking <laughs> it's just like what, what what am I supposed to do here? And it, it, it was, again, Apple's already kind of crashy sample. So I'm just mm. like, uh, Apple, you are killing me here. You are killing me here. And so I think something I just realized slowly and painfully through binding this library was, although Apple says it's available on macOS 11.5, and it's probably technically there, it's really not a good functioning version of it. It's really a terrible version of it. And I remember in the past, I'm doing this all the time. They'll just say like, hey, technically this API is available on this distribution. And it's always one of these point releases. But in reality, it's not done yet. It's not finished. <laughs> and so uh, we were running into this failure and I just one more time begged. I'm like, look, can we just say that this thing's only good on mac 12 and call it a day because it works fine there everywhere else it's all good and i was a little bit stressed over that but mostly because i had no nothing else to say other than it's buggy <laughs> like it just yeah. doesn't work 
And I was so happy that today, and this is why we're recording, I learned that Rolf agreed with me and it's fine. My binding has gone in. End of the road achieved. All right. You did it. I'm proud of you, Frank. I'm proud of me, too. I, I, it's, it's, it's effort, you know? I, I probably had to spend five or six days on this, you know? It was work. Um, but I'm going to be so excited to have this library. And honestly, it feels really good to contribute back to a giant open source project. So I, I'm all smiles over here right now. So you would recommend? No. Oh. <laughs> no, don't contribute to open source. <laughs> That's too hard. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, for the most part, they don't. Uh, these large frameworks tend to get bound by Microsoft themselves or other contributors. So you t- t- tend not to have to do this. Now, if you were going to go for a bug fix or an API improvement, I would say it's worth it. It probably takes a good two to four hours to get your machine set up to build the repository. But once it's there, you lock that machine down. <laughs> you know, you don't change a thing ever again. Like I have been on these same settings for the last couple months trying to get this PR in. And so you just you just leave it alone, get it building, and then leave it alone. And then after that, honestly, it although effort, it was a pretty painless process, uh, thanks to the reviewers, Alex and Rolf, and I think Chris chimed in also. And especially, I think the GitHub's PR system has improved with those batch updates. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah, there's some nice, nice additions there. Well, I'm proud of you, Frank, and I appreciate you walking through this process. We didn't actually talk about the library that you added, the addition, <laughs> but you haven't used it yet because it's not right. actually released. It just got merged like 16 hours ago. Yeah, but I'm so excited. Like, I wasn't sure if they would ever merge it, so I wasn't sure if I should be writing code that uses it. Hmm. But now that I know it's it's in, it's just, it's going to take some time to actually get released and you know shipped out to the internets. But I can keep using my branch for a little bit of while and start writing codes against it. So I'm excited <laughs> to find out how good this library is, and I'm sure we'll do a follow up episode. Uh, if I if I hate it or love it, I wonder. I'm I'm hoping I love it because I really want to love it. All right, well, we will follow up with that, just like we followed up with this story. I, I like the story because we often talk about a lot of projects that we work on, but not necessarily our journey to contributing to other open source projects. We'll have to talk about, you know, when do you contribute versus make your own? Uh, because I've seen that happen before as well. But that is for yeah. another day, Frank. Uh, Well, thank you for your contribution. I'm excited to learn exactly how great your code runs, Frank. Um, It's going to be great. I mean, uh, once I got around the Apple bugs, and as long as you're on Mac 12, (laughs) it's going to work great. Well, there you have it. We'll put a link to the PR in the show notes so you can check out the journey that Frank went through. And if you've had your own journey of, you know, contributing to any open source project, let us know. Go to MergeConflict.fm, right into the show. Hit us up in Discord or tweet at us. That's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.